I've been thinking a lot the last week about what this podcast is really about. What is the one thing, if I had to distill it down, that I'm trying to say, and I think I figured out what it is. I think what it is is hard questions never have easy answers. Hard questions never have easy answers. How many immigrants should the U.S. let in over the next five years? Should three-way marriages be legal? When should abortion be permitted? If anyone gives you an easy answer to any of these questions, that should be a red flag. Here are a few examples of easy answers to hard questions from history. All of our problems are the Jews' fault. It just ain't right for a white man to marry a black woman. Anyone can see that. All of this land to the west of us must surely be the manifest destiny of white Americans. All of society's problems are the result of class distinction. So if we abolish all personal property and make everyone completely equal, those problems will be solved. Spoiler, they weren't solved, and about 100 million deaths later, the Berlin Wall fell down. Another word for simple answers to hard questions might be ideology, the kind of idea that you stick to no matter what the fallout, no matter the collateral damage. And that damage always includes human beings, infinitely valuable creatures. And they are infinitely valuable creatures on both sides of one of the hard questions that this episode addresses, which is... How do people make political decisions? Here are two easy answers to that question that are both wrong. And you'll notice they both end up dehumanizing the other side. Option one. How do people make political decisions? Oh, it's obvious. Conservatives only care about themselves. They want fewer taxes. They don't care if global warming increases. They're fine with a sexist president because they obviously don't believe women are valuable. They vote against their own economic interests because they're stupid sheep who are easily deceived. Liberals, on the other hand, we care about justice and equality. We're the civil rights movement. We're jaded enough to see through the lies that our politicians tell us. We're not stupid sheep. We care about sexism and the message that a President Trump would send to our kids. So see, liberals make rational, ethical choices, and conservatives make either irrational choices, selfish choices, or both. It's a nice, tidy answer. I confess I've believed it myself more times than I care to admit. But here's another tidy answer. How do people make political decisions? Oh, that's obvious. Conservatives, we understand that human beings are valuable, even sacred. We don't exist solely to pursue our own pleasure. We have obligations and rights. Family and societal ties are necessary. This is why it's so important to stand for the national anthem. Military service is the highest form of service because it truly shows that you're willing to put your own life below the lives of everyone else in your community. It's wrong for aid dollars to be spent by the government because the government is inefficient and therefore less help gets to those who need it. But liberals, they've just never been told no their whole lives. Have sex with whomever, do whatever you want with no regard to how it affects your family, your church, your state. They want college to be a safe space? What the hell? You go to college to be challenged, to grow. It isn't safe. It makes you stronger, just like the armed forces. See, liberals act selfishly. They just want what they want when they want it without having to put in the time and the hard work to get it. And then they look down on us conservatives for disagreeing. So see, liberals vote selfishly. Us conservatives vote unselfishly because we care about the nation, the group, our communities, and our families, without which we could never survive. Neither of these answers, of course, are right. 
but they're both partially right. What I mean is, each of these answers appeals very strongly to some aspects of moral thinking, but not all the aspects of moral thinking. Say that one more time. Both of these answers appeal to some aspects of our moral thinking, but not all of them. The liberal answer appeals to our desire for justice, fairness to all individuals, autonomy, not being beholden to a corporation or some other power who is exercising control over our lives. But the conservative answer appeals to our sense of dignity, of loyalty, of patriotism, the idea that our bodies are temples, not just playgrounds, and the value of continual hard work and honored commitments. It's not simple. It's complicated. This is the scaffolding that I like you to try and keep in mind as you listen to this conversation with Matt. A couple brief notes before we start. First of all, he he texted me afterwards and he said, hey man, in your intro, can you apologize to everybody? I realize I talked over you a bunch and I'm sorry about that. So he does talk over me a bunch, but he has acknowledged it. So you can forgive him for that. And the last thing is that we recorded this live on video. It was a Facebook live sort of event video. It'll probably be up on the website, uh, depolarizedpodcast.com at some point, if you want to actually watch the video. But here is this conversation with Matt Carter. Okay. Welcome to a very special Mm -hmm. live videotaped episode of Depolarized Podcast with kind of, I would say, like our patron saint. Matt I'm the Carter. patron saint of podcasting. Yeah, or at least of this podcast. <laughs> You've given me a lot of advice, and you know we're on the Bad Christian Network. Those of you who don't know Matt Carter, he is one of the founding members of Bad Christian Podcast and all the BC mm-hmm. media. He has his own podcast, Break It Down, with Matt Carter. And of course, before all that, founding member and guitarist of the band Emery. If you're an emo fan, take a minute, get over your fanboy self. Mm-hmm. I had to do that early on in order for us to become friends and be peers. Excellent. So you wanted to do this episode. You said, Dan, you said, Dan, Dan, have me on the podcast. You got to have me on your podcast. You got to have me on. I'm going to explain to Trump <laughs> voters. I don't, I'm not one, but I know them, but I, mm-hmm. I'm, I think I might could explain them. Mm-hmm. That's how, that's my Carter impression. So, I was like, great, let's do it. That's not only your Matt Carter impression, it's the impression of all liberal elites toward uh, 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 what they perceive to be uneducated Southerners. No, no. So very good. Very good start. No, no, no. I was literally just doing you at your most Southern, uh, your your dialect. I do actually think you're in a good position to understand them, which is, Mm -hmm. of course, why I said yes. You want to kind of like put some flesh on this group of people and and you want to say they're mostly good folks it's not uh, i don't even know if i want to say mostly but they're just they are what people are like is what yeah. i would say they're right. just people they're just that, people and they're if they're different they're different in every possible way from any other person also duh they're individuals and stuff yeah right. like that might be worth considering well right so but, the one but, thing but, i was so going to say i don't know if they're good or bad but they're not anything is what i was my point they're just they, they happen to all be represented by one simple thing, and that's who they voted for on a particular ticket in a particular election a particular amount of time. That may be all they have in common. Totally. Well, it, technically, it is the only thing they have in yeah, common. Technically, I believe that it is. And so the first thing that I wanted to say before we get into the questions and the, the conversation is that, of course, Trump voters are not a monolithic block. Right. Just like Hillary voters are not a monolithic block, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people make a decision about a presidential candidate at the last minute, which means absolutely they 
thought about it for a while and they just barely voted for one. So you can't say definitely everyone who voted for one of basically two Mm -hmm. choices are all in the same camp. Of course they're not, but you're going to try and help us understand maybe some pretty large portion of that voting block that you feel like you've got kind of your, your finger yeah, on the pulse but, of. But the, even the, the deeper point than that is, I would think even more important than that would be for the progressive and the liberal people to understand themselves is almost oh. even more what I'm interested in. I, I mean, okay, I, great. I, it's not that hard to understand a, a Trump voter if you try, or a certain person or people group or the, the more narrow things. It's not that hard to understand them if you simply are around them or try to empathize or understand some of their yeah. points of views. It's not that's not even that hard, but the important part of it is the way that the left and the progressives and people have reacted, uh, it seems like they have it's an, an astonishing lack of understanding of their own behavior, which has been really surprising, uh, astounding to me. Okay, so this is, you're kind of answering this, but the first question I wanted to ask you is, why? Like, who cares? Why come on and do this? Is it mm-hmm. because there's some lack of empathy toward Trump voters or some lack of self-awareness on the left? It That's sounds like probably you'd say the latter. Better. Yeah, now that you mentioned I think that is more important because... I mean, you know, people are just the way they are as far as, let's start this way. I say I'm astounded by this, but in another way, I'm not because uh, this is, I'm a highly analytical guy, a very low on the emotional scale guy. I'm not an emotional actor. I'm a very rational uh, risk reward calculating type of person. Yeah, I don't get bent out of shape about much stuff. That's kind of where I come from. And the way I operate in the world, uh, and I'm not isolated. There's other people that think this way too, but I, I think most people think of the world as people are relatively rational and then sometimes they get angry or happy or sad and then react emotionally. My point of view of everybody out there is not that way. So it's quite the opposite. I find in most cases, everybody's reacting and acting emotionally primarily and sometimes they are rational. And that's the way that I view people and the world, basically. Under emotion, would you include things like desire and love or well, is emotion just like your current state of feelings well it's the it's kind of typified by the fact that people um the biggest way and in this election and everything else that it happens and it's been it's just to an astonishing level that even maybe proves the way i've always thought to be even more true than i thought it to be is the amount of confirmation bias that exists for everybody all the time at a level i just can't even believe and it, and and i would say it in the sense that um I'll talk about what's immediate to me, my family, my wife, my mom, and my dad, if that, if that can give you a choice uh, or a, a little glimpse of it. My wife is so triggered and upset by Trump stuff that we, we can't even really discuss it. Will you also, I would hope maybe before we get going, if you... if you would vouch for me that I'm not a racist or whatever. Yeah, those, sure. Can we get those things out yeah. of the way so I can speak freely? <laughs> Anybody who takes my word for it, <laughs> whatever that's worth, I can vouch for Matt. Okay. He is not a racist. He's uh, a highly, highly rational, you could argue overly so, person mm-hmm. who is genuinely flabbergasted by the ways of humanity in general. I did not vote for Trump. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a Republican. I'm, in fact, I'm non-political. I've never voted for anything. I never yeah. voted at any point, and I'm not too concerned about about it. In that, yeah, we regard. had a little, but, we had a little row about that on your show a few um, months ago. So I'm not a Trump sup- voter, at least. And am I a Trump supporter? 
on some sense, I would say I do believe we should support the president. If so he I hadn't, would, if you weren't a Trump supporter before he won. No, but, but since now he's he our president. Won, you support the president. Won. My favorite president ever is Obama. I think he's the best. I hmm. love the guy. And then I hope Trump is a good president, and I will support him. I support our system. I support our democracy. I said before the election happened, whoever y'all decide, that'll be okay. Yeah, and I, and, I, yeah. and I'd like to believe that. I, I mean, that might, but that's a. I think that's a rational way of looking at it. But that makes almost everybody angry for me to tell them that because it sounds flippant or I don't know what it is. But oh, in any to, case, to say that whoever wins, it'll be fine. I'm with whoever y'all choose. Yeah. I believe in the system. Y'all go for it, and it'll be fine. Well, I that, think I don't think it should be controversial to point out that one of the big arguments against Trump during the campaign, especially with the debates. You know, with him saying, I, I don't know if I respect the mm-hmm. election results. And then everybody on the left going, that's insane. And pe- plenty of people on the right, like, mm-hmm. you have to support democracy. You have mm-hmm. to respect it. Yes, exactly. And, and you're a- actually not saying qualitatively anything much different than that. That's exactly, that's a great point. Because, yeah, that's he was saying that the, the, the notion that he would not, or Trump supporters would not respect the outcome of the election was a horrible thing and now we've seen it the other way and it's like well we got real extra college but she won on the popular vote or not my president like it was astounding to me that progressives and people on the left would say not my president i thought that was reserved for silly conservative evangelicals or something i thought that's that with whose behavior that was not i mean i liberal think progressives n- not my president is like back from the bush era punk rock days right there was like a big like no effects. Oh, and yeah, those right. guys all did that. So it, right. there is some left-leaning history to that. Well, so if I take the case of my wife, for instance, I don't. She's not highly political much at all. Uh, she also happens to be Mexican. But if if I try to give any benefit of the doubt to Trump, if she says you won't believe what I read today on something, she, yeah. and, and my wife's relatively uninformed, she would admit that. Um, <laughs> but if she'll say to me, I can't believe Trump this or that, whatever, and I give any counterpoint or say well maybe that's not this or is this is the reason for yeah. that then then it will escalate immediately she will become emotional and if we dialogue for a couple of minutes she will cry i mean she's triggered and i've met a ton of people you express that you have anxiety you've had such anxiety since he started polling well and all these yeah. things that are just like they're literally physically manifesting in people and you can see it when you talk to somebody they're like Trump is, and it's something. It's, it's a tangible, real yeah. thing. So, for whatever reason that happens, that to me is like a warning sign. Like anything you're about to think or say is not going to be very logical or rational. So let's watch out here. You know what I mean? Like if there's if there was if there's one thing in your life that makes you act this way, then maybe you should remove yourself from basing a tons of decisions on on that. That's the way you would be if, if with almost anything. So you're saying. Okay, so you're questioning then someone who has any level of sort of hysteria mm-hmm. or, you know, like a mild PTSD or something like that with the Trump win. Right. Including, you would say, would you include like minority people? I'm not saying it's wrong. Okay, I don't think that people's feelings are wrong. Right. I do okay. not. I think the feelings you have are 100% valid. I do not know if they're that useful. Okay, the question is or is helpful it, going right. forward or productive. Or and certainly yeah. not don't I certainly don't think they're the type of feelings that should be amplified and stoked. I think they could that can be really dangerous. Well I have a, okay, so I have an anecdote about this. I was just in San Antonio, I just got back from this 
conventions like the American Academy of Religion or Association of Religion and the Society of Biblical Literature. And it's this mm-hmm. joint conference, like 10,000, mostly scholars and teachers and grad students and whatever. And I went to this forum. It was like a panel forum and then like a group, you know, a lot of group conversation around the Trump win, mm-hmm. which especially academia did not see coming. Sure. And at one point, you know, one or two like grad students got up. And these are people in their mid, early 20s. And this one young woman said, hey, you know, it's important. I know that you guys have these these conversations about policy and, and political views and whatever in your classrooms, but don't have those conversations at the expense of your students of color who are having a hard time living their normal life in the wake of this mm-hmm. sort of huge right. climactic moment. Mm-hmm. So... Well, so I was like, oh, no, that's like, I immediately was like, this is bad. Like, this is not where academia needs to go. Like, if Mm -hmm. the academy is going to do anything, it needs to be free and open exchange of ideas. Yes. If, if, If there's one place in your life where you sort of steal yourself emotionally and just make sure that you can yes. hear someone you totally disagree with. It is in the classroom at a university. Absolutely, that, that's and the that's place. one of the. I'm glad that, that if you and I are on the same page as that. But the climate of the universities is, is is becoming ridiculous. Well, I do think there's a legitimate problem. But so she said that, and a few other people spoke, and then one of the panelists got up. This guy Eddie Gloud, who I think is going to be on the podcast soon, and he is a prof at Princeton, and he's the new president of the American Association of Religion. And he's an African-American. He's probably in his 50s. And he addressed that student and mm-hmm. a couple other people, students and teachers who had expressed sort of the similar sort of safe space mm-hmm. kind of thing of like, sure. you know, give us space. And he said, you know what? I've taken some flack for this. But since he won and during the, all the Black Lives Matter protests and whatever, he's like, I keep telling all of my students, do your work continue to do your work. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard, but do it because you are preparing yourself. If you're right about what Trump's going to do, then you are preparing yourself to go up against immense power. And when you do that, the power is not going to give you space for your feelings. The power is going, he's not going to care what you feel. Mm -hmm. So you have to prepare yourself now to be able to get your work done in the face of Mm -hmm hard odds and pain and legitimate injustice. Now I don't feel like I'm in a position to sort of make that argument. I can quote him Mm -hmm. because he comes from a heritage of the black civil rights movement, right? That's, that's the world from which he comes and that he knows a lot about. But I found that to be like, that was the antidote. Like him saying that was the antidote to this problem Mm -hmm. of kind of, like not hysteria because maybe there will be a time to I mean, be hysterical. people like hysteria. Do you understand that? Like mm. people like to be hysterical and people like to have outrage. They like it. It's natural. It's part of what humans do. So pay attention to that as, yeah. a, as rationally and try to get a grip on that. Like, of course we like hysteria. We, we lean head into it. But you would think that the educated liberal progressive people who seem to and demonstrate that the the intelligence they have and the things they've seen and they're read and history repeats itself these people are now jumping headfirst into 
what seems like to me, from my point of view, hysteria. Yeah, but let's, and I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. But we should extend our same grace that the Trump supporters are not a monolith to progressives are not a monolith, mm-hmm. a monolithic block either. So of course, Professor Gloud was like. Mm-hmm. what I thought to be an amazing voice of reason in the midst of some hysteria. And in fact, a lot of other people spoke up as well, but I just think that that kind of gets to what I think is one of the big problems right now. And, and that is that the left is having a really hard time deciding which Hills to die on. Mm-hmm. And yes. I, so let, can we segue into the word racist? Because here's an example. If I believed everything, my Twitter and, and Facebook news feed, said the Mm -hmm. following people are all unrepentant racists Mm -hmm. mike pence donald trump uh jeff sessions uh steve bannon Mm -hmm. rudy giuliani all of them enough it would include me at least all of them are racists and the basis of which their claim to be racist is sort of murky depending on what it is so you know it might be well trump's a racist because in the 70s he tried to get black families to not be able to rent his apartments if you look into it closer he actually tried to get no subsidized housing into his Mm -hmm. apartments okay so that sure sounds like it might be an economic decision that he made well people would say the wall and the wall is a great example of uh it's still like here's the thing about about people what they're doing is is uh if i can go back to the confirmation bias there's an element of dishonesty there's a big disingenuous amount of dishonesty going on and it's i don't like trump because and it doesn't matter i'm going to fill in the blank with 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 whatever it is and i think that's it's weird so like if i'm looking at my wife if i can't if i told her hey did you see uh in the news where trump pulled up out of his limo and and dove off the bridge into the river to save you know nine orphans uh, yeah, you know, and he was, and he's a really good swimmer. He could hold his breath, but eventually, he, you know, he, he was only able to save seven of them, and two of them died. And then my wife would do say something like, "They were probably the the ethnic ones, the probably the brown ones." He didn't save, or oh, or he probably man. just did it for PR. Like you know, that's an extreme hmm. thing. But there's not something that Trump could do that she would say, "Hmm, actually, you know what." That's actually pretty cool. That, there's so no such thing. You're saying the exists. perfect example of confirmation bias is your own wife. I'm just giving her as an example, and she's a, she's, she's relatively listening. innocent. I don't. I mean, it's fine. It's, she's relatively innocent in the matter, um, and she yeah. she even understands what the things I would say. But her point of view is is casual. You see, she's not in like I say informed. Yeah. If that even means anything, because I don't. We have some limitations of what informed can really mean. So people yeah. pretending like they're informed because they read X, Y, and Z. I'm not so big into that but anyway my wife and most people are very casual and they simply have decided trump is that and the only thing that's going to happen is they're going to filter everything everything through Mm. that there's not some choice that trump can make in the future that will be good or okay and so i've tweeted and i've asked people i say just please tell me what are the objective measures that we can use to evaluate if it goes Good, bad, okay, wonderful. What are the things that could happen to where you go, wow, I was really wrong. This guy's an amazing president, which I do not think is going to happen, by the way. But is it objective or is it simply the guy's bad and thus what he does is bad? Okay, so this is is what I want to get to with the racist question is like, sometimes I'll have a conversation with someone who's broadly speaking on the right. Mm-hmm. And they will say, you know, uh, Ian, in a previous episode, you know, it's like, I'm not racist. My friends aren't racist. I've never seen anyone do anything specifically racist. He lived in Florida his whole life. Wow. I've seen a million. Ra- I know a million racists. Okay. Well, <laughs> we can talk about that later. But Ian's perspective is that, like, there's no, 
obvious racial animus mm-hmm. in himself or his friends. And so one of the things we talked about, there was the difference between systemic issues that have racist outcomes uh-huh. and like individual attitudes of racism. Certainly. Now that's a distinction that some of us who are broadly speaking on the left want to make sure that the right understands. So one thing that I'm trying to do is make my conservative friends understand. I'm not saying that you're a racist. What I'm saying is there are systemic problems that disproportionately affect people of certain yes. races. Yes. And that system is racist by what, however you want to define it. Sure. But are you saying there's a similar problem with people on the left who also can't distinguish between those two? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because if it might be that Trump is in fact not racist, but that he's perfectly That's not happy. an acceptable fact to many, many people. Well, but let's, so hear this out though. He's, it might be true, and I think I would say it probably is true that Trump is both himself probably not racist, slightly or something, whatever, I mean, like whatever. a normal nominal amount of racism. Yeah. However, Trump is perfectly fine with using rhetoric that is racist or gets racist people to vote for him. Mm-hmm. He's perfectly fine with any law or statute He's definitely, that is racist that yeah. enriches him mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the same thing that the left wants to say to the right separate out between personal racism and systemic racism, the left could maybe take a dose of that itself. And that sounds like what you're saying. Yeah. And it's just that, uh, it's really just that it's unhelpful or unuseful to take the extreme aggressive standpoint is, is really what I'm saying. If you're worried about the country, then you, you have to consider how do you affect other people and change. And it's not accusation. I mean, that just isn't how we uh, engage and affect and dialogue and and teach or change other people. If you start from the, I mean, we're already, like I said, it's hysterical, it's animal brain, it's lower brain, it's defensiveness, it's emotional action. Those are not going to be the ways forward if you do want to have some change or make some or make some progress or communicate with other people. If you want to battle, yeah. Shore up the walls, hurl insults. Yeah, you can battle acute, all day. You can, yeah. If you want to battle, if that's the way, if that's how we have to win this, okay, then then I can understand your uh, tactics that I disagree with. What I'm saying is, I do not think it's the path forward. I don't think it's how it's going to go. And if you want to talk about racism specifically, I don't know what, what this means in the political climate, but I believe we the racism level is not going up. That is something to me that strikes me as insane, and I could be wrong about it, but I do not think that now that we have Trump elected or whatever thing is, Mm. I do not believe racism has or will increase. To me, that's nonsense. You're saying the racist individual attitudes will not overall go up. Racism to me is steadily going down over time. In the world is becoming a better minds. place, and especially if you take the long view, which nobody seems able to even con- <laughs> possibly consider. Well, there are some particular reasons why Trump makes it hard for some people to take the long okay, view. But, but I would, I'm even going to argue that, and now certainly we understand racism and we see it more this year than last year and the year before and before Obama was elected. I mean, since Obama got elected, racism has been a bigger issue and we've seen it more. Would, and I'm telling you that's progress. Would you, do you think everything that, bad yeah. we're seeing from the Trump supporters that are racist, the hate groups, the whatever the stuff is out there, this is progress, my friend. This is part of seeing it, to the realize that it, it's coming to deal out, with yeah. it. It's not being created, it's being dealt with. Maybe slowly, maybe over decades, maybe through ups and downs of elections and cycles. 
it's information, it's sharing across people using technology and the internet. You've never been able to find as many hate crimes online as you can now. Doesn't mean they started now. So be real careful there. I'm not defending them or uh, what's the word for it? I'm not a denier of anything, um, but we're on the right track, not the wrong track. Where society is getting better, racism is getting less. I cannot see that another way. I'm open to it. I could change, but could be wrong about that. But uh, it, it strikes me as absurd to to think that racism is going to be a worse problem. Well, but are are you committing this same problem of not? delineating between personal racism and systemic racism because i think a, a pretty okay, good case could huge be made. win that we all talk about systemic racism all the time now this is great that's the progress part okay, of it and okay okay tons but, of people maybe don't get it yet that's all that's all there is okay people that don't get it yet but now we're at least talking about what we don't get okay that's I mean, fine it's on the right track that's fine but if you are someone who's going to be negatively affected by systemic racism over the next four years or policies enacted over the next four years, that's not that comforting of yeah. a thought. But and but we'll see what they are. So let's take the wall for exa- example. Well, so th- that's those are not the things that I think are the biggest problems mm-hmm. for systemic racism. I would say his his desire that he said to institute stop and frisk nationally, which is mm-hmm. also illegal, and so he probably can't but do th- that. But so so that's another huge thing is that's a policy of a political actor. So what I'm telling everybody is if you care about stuff, you should shut up about the man Donald Trump and his administration, and you should definitely get involved with each individual issue. And no, you I will agree. have much more impact. It will go much better. Shut up about that guy. Talk about prison system talk about immigration talk about the stuff you care about but to just say the trump stuff is the bad stuff and i'm against that stuff thus i'm against you that's making a team that's counterproductive you're only going to make stuff worse if there's plenty of issues to deal with you may you may disagree with trump on 99 out of 180 i mean there's some percentage that you agree with trump every single person agrees with trump on some stuff like I mean, there, there's a million things that we, we take for granted that, of course, we all agree with. Right. And the only things we're focusing on are the things you may not agree with. And then even at that, that's ultra-fractured. So pay attention to your issues, care about your issues, learn about your issues. Don't claim a team and discount the other team or who you want to identify as another team that's not interested in being identified as a team. I'm not a Trump supporter or voter in that sense but i almost wanted to like get their back here because of the way i feel progressives and elites and academia is is acting toward them i almost just want to get their back i really do and that's why people voted for him because they're sick of that bullshit it's, it's annoying my, i just found out my dad voted for trump which is insane like i would have never expected that but i know why he did i haven't really talked to him about it but i know why he did because he just he has such a low view of the progressive and the liberal and the telling people what to do and not letting you be yourself and putting all this stuff in the air that's shaming and insulting and childish that he's just like, you know, I don't know if you cuss on your podcast, but it's just like, fuck those people, no matter what, is really what pushed him over the edge. Yeah. And he voted Trump. And now he sent me a text message like, my parents' marriage is in trouble because my mom is so anti-Trump that she's unhinged, is his words. And it's just like, I can't, it's just insane. I'm from the South, obviously. Yeah. My parents live in South Carolina, and they're, they've delineated their household as one versus the other, and it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's not, that's not going to help them. It's not going to help the country. It's not going to help anybody. 
Are you actively involved in trying to explain them to each other or there's no point there's almost no point which is what i'm telling you there's no change in my mom's mind there just isn't trump is bad that's it you have to enter into a space where you're at least willing to something and i I just think it's the most toxic silliest thing because politicians are the worst fakest silliest dumbest people out there like one of the worst things we have about our modern society is like it's the people that you know aren't telling the truth anyway. Like uh, car sales, used car salesmen, yeah, politicians. Uh, I honestly think pastors have been are kind of in that category now. People that sell you stuff at kiosks at the mall. We know their words are persuasive, and it's, it's worked out from a data driven approach of what you've got to say to do the thing you've got to do. So why would anybody pay attention well, to the stuff they're saying? We Trump know to broke ignore with that. that. Trump broke with that quite a bit. I mean, he actually said. I think this is one of the things that scares people is he actually said all the things you're not supposed to be able to say. Mm-hmm. But then that's what with resonates it. with people. Like, okay, finally. I, I've been, okay. I, they, I understand white people are privileged. And this, I, I get all that. But you can't change the fact that they feel stifled. I'm not going to say oppressed, but at least like shamed and stifled. So they will react to that. And it's not crazy. And anybody would do the same thing. You can't just say, well, I know other people have it worse than me, thus I can't have a legitimate complaint. That's not realistic. That You're talking mean, about white privilege now. I'm saying people in South Carolina, people like my dad, people other people, they feel, and I'm not going to use the word oppressed, but like judged, stifled, sure. insulted, shamed about stuff that they just think that isn't necessarily racist or crazy stuff either. And so they react to that. So do you want to, which, what do you want to contribute to? And sure, even those people like my dad would say, oh, I'm not claiming this. I know I have it way better than this, and I'm very fortunate or whatever. But nonetheless, when you feel attacked, accused, shamed, all those things, you, the only thing you're going to do is be defensive and resist and react. That's all you – that's this really the only way anybody's going to be. Yeah, I think this is the and interesting – that's why Trump won, and I blame the liberals and progressives. I don't blame those people for that. I blame the liberals and progressives for Trump's victory. It's their fault. Hmm. Okay. That's what I think. I think you push people like my dad over the edge. I mean, it's just what happened. But I mean, there's a lot of things that could have been a little different and he would have lost. I mean, he lost a popular vote by over two million Hey, maybe it's a dice roll. It just came up that way. But either way, way, I don't believe that uh, whatever percent, what did he get, 43% or something? I don't think 43% of people are evil, but that's that's what it seems. That's what a lot of people want to act or perpetrate or put out there. And it's it's, it's, that's only going to hurt your own cause, in my opinion. I think it's dishonest, toxic, and is standing in the way of progress. Well, so we're getting to something that I think is really interesting and that I want to spend quite a bit of time the next couple of years talking about, which is this idea that it's the idea of separating out what Trump said and who Trump Mm -hmm. is. Okay. Those are two really interesting things. Mm -hmm. Separating them out from the fact that he just gave a big middle finger for 65 minutes every time he held a rally and for an hour and a half at every debate. He just gave a big middle finger. Mm -hmm. Now, you could argue it's indelicate and stupid to vote for someone just because they give a middle finger. But if you feel like there's this whole system that doesn't care about you at all and you want to give a middle finger to that system, Mm -hmm. then 
you might vote for him. Oh, right. And I just want to for whatever thing, your personal reasons are, are for giving a middle finger. It yes. could be tax, like my dad's a business owner, he's a smart guy, he's not racist, anything like that. He hates the government and the prop what he would call the liberals and the way they've treated him as a, a small business owner. That's what he feels like to those people, mm. and then and he knows that they're lying. He knows that they're all, and it's just it's enough to somehow. I don't even really explain it, or I'm, I'm even a little surprised by it. But it's enough for him to just say, "Yeah, I'm with the middle finger part." Mm. And he's a really intelligent, educated, successful. So when you found guy, out that I mean, when you found out that your dad voted Trump, that that was sort of a clue to you that there was something more going on than you thought before. I'm I'm surprised that he voted for Trump, but I mean it only confirms the the way I think about it. Like I'm not surprised that in general that's the phenomenon because I don't. I mean I think it's totally reasonable for somebody to have voted a political candidate that they like a good amount of their policy. That's fine. Like that's not crazy. It just isn't. I'm it, not. I don't think there's anything weird about voting for Donald Trump. Really? Well, okay. I let mean, me let me throw a couple things out there. Come from. Let me throw a couple things out there, and I think what we're going to get to is that. You, you didn't take him seriously. But you could argue that a presidential candidate saying we're not going to support our NATO allies, everybody should build their own nukes and do their own missile defense systems. Mm-hmm. Someone saying, you know, we have these nukes, why can't we use them? Someone whom, like, every single major newspaper, including conservative newspapers who have never endorsed a Democrat in their entire existence, are all endorsing Clinton. Mm-hmm. You could make a case that it, it, you know, that it's it's a pretty bad idea to vote for that candidate. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that, but those people understood and knew that, and still chose not to. Well, that's what's interesting. So that's what I want. There's to get a lot at. of smart people Why? that know all those facts you just said, and still did what they did. Okay, I don't know how many people. Well, so and they it wasn't because I hate black people. I see what you're saying. Okay, so then let's let's try and get to something more bedrock here. Why, for instance, does your dad? not trust George W. Bush and Colin Powell more than he trusts himself. Why does he think, yeah, it doesn't matter if all these really respected Republicans say to go for Hillary. And I'm not, I'm not asking this in through judgment. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, why, like why for him? Is it like, no, nope, I'm going with the middle finger. You know what I'm saying? Some of us on the left, it's just hard. No, to get our minds no, around it's that. not. Again, it's, it's people are emotional. And so the thing you're against is a stronger feeling. Hmm. That's just all there is to... I mean, it's a feeling thing. So you're I saying... I feel okay. stronger against that than... Well, I guess I can understand. I mean, I know he's crazy. I don't really believe he's going to do that. I can kind of understand some of the stuff here. I know what I'm really reacting against. Okay, and I'm so, going to vote that way. All right. Um, I want to I want to take this to the church a little bit because you guys talk about this a lot on your podcast mm-hmm. and you have... I don't know, you spend a lot of time thinking and thinking about it and interacting with these people. If you're right... And if the majority of non-evangelical white America were to agree with you, then wouldn't they simply conclude from, for instance, the exit poll number that 81% of white evangelical America voted for Trump? Wouldn't they simply conclude that 81% of white evangelical America just like can't get a hold of their emotions and actually doesn't have a strong feeling toward Jesus or justice? Yeah, stronger than anything else they have. Like they care more about not paying taxes than than loving well, the stranger. Look, I mean, I threw out the number eighty twenty at the beginning of the podcast, and you're saying exactly eighty. Like if you are a Jesus person, yeah. you should. It seems like you would not 
vote for Donald Trump to me. I, sure. I agree with that. But yet, exactly, you, you just told me, but just like I quoted earlier, yeah. 81% of them did, and it's just because of emotional, silly, re- I'm disappointed that they did. Well, so yeah, so I'm just trying but to But I'm get, not surprised that I'm just they trying did. to get deeper into that. Okay, so then, on your view- And Donald Trump- knows a lot of this i don't know if he's got great advice and the uh the scott adams the dilbert creator has been yeah. speaking on this a lot so i'm not taking credit for his thoughts but he's you know said trump does this persuasion and he just he just knows what it is he knows how to pace people and and speak to their fears and then yeah. make he brought the whole thing down to the gutter and then that was his battleground he knew how to win and once he brought it all down to the gutter took it off of issues make it about how i mean everybody knows this campaign was all about negativity yeah and so all he's got to do is 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 uh like he knows he's not going to win so he doesn't care how mad you get about how, he doesn't care how much anxiety you had because he were, you weren't going to get his vote anyway but if he could ca- if he could get the thing into mudslinging and low enough then he could get enough people to really just you know what? This establishment, these elites, these liberals, and he took it there. Yeah, they both but they lie. Set They're it up, all bad. But yeah. they set it up, and they are to blame for for treating the common people with such, so like using and abusing them. I mean, you know, politically, I, I really do feel like the, and I, I, it's not stupid people that think this, but it's it's not that crazy of a thought that the liberal elites in power play the lower class. I think that when just when people picked mock up, them and yeah. not, you know never really respect them or care about them and use them and they just had enough at some point. I think that a lot of people didn't think that that basket of deplorables line that Hillary. I mean, honestly, that was an incredibly stupid move. She knew she was being recorded at that mm-hmm. uh, fundraiser. It was not gorilla. Like, for instance, Mitt Romney. You know, the other forty forty seven percent or whatever that was mm-hmm. gorilla journalism but sure. hillary knew she was being filmed and she still used her basket yep. of deplorables line and that really caught on with the right because it seems to kind of get to what you're saying it's like yeah i'm deplorable yeah you guys think i'm an idiot they're not I, some of them are probably saying yeah i'm deplorable and i don't care about anybody's rights or feelings right. or whatever but i it seems like it's more to wear it as a badge of honor of like if the media and elite establishment doesn't like me, then I have succeeded because it's not worth being liked or approved of by liberal elites. Mm-hmm. And you had the closet Trump voters too. Like one's like, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but when I get in that booth, I'm going to do what I want to do. But I know it's not socially acceptable to say I'm for this or I think this about immigration or whatever, but it is what I actually think. And so I know that I'm not allowed to say this publicly, but it's what I think, and it's what I'm going to vote. I think that's a different. Um, it's a different argument, though. You're talking about people who agree with his stated policies, which I don't think that's is. A, you're right. That's a most weird rabbit hole. Because saying, who knows? Who yeah, knows, most people are I mean. saying, "Oh, he doesn't mean what he says." Like he's using words as weapons. But he's the, not, but the, but everybody on the hysterical side wants to hold him to stuff that, of course, yeah. Let's take is, the, I know. Let's take the wall for example. You have to be an idiot in my book to be on the left or the right and have been extremely happy about or extremely bummed about the wall comment or the wall policy. Like if you were like, I am so happy because we're going to get the wall and guess what? It's even going to be 10 feet higher than I originally hoped. If that, if anybody had that point of view, that person is a dummy. Okay. And on the other hand, if anybody's saying like, if they took him seriously, right. That. And on the other hand, if anybody was like, Oh no, he's building a huge wall. They're not going to be able to get, oh, no, 10 feet tall. 
car. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that, I that's, it, yeah. And so that makes no sense on either anybody that thought that on either side is ridiculous or actually is a stupid person perhaps. But surely that's neither here nor there. That doesn't that's nothing. That's a non thing. I see what you're saying, but I mean it's nonsense. If you're talking about taking his claims, his campaign claims like totally literally at face value. Mm-hmm. But there are things that make people worried that are different than that. And for instance, when all of the newspapers came out against him, it wasn't because, oh, it's going to be 10 feet higher and but Mexico's di- going to pay for it. But it is disingenuous to take... Now you're saying, oh, well, yeah, maybe not all that stuff, but he did say some stuff that he knew wasn't... Like, you, you've t- like it's, it's fine no, to I, criticize him on... About, he doesn't mean his, what he says. Yeah, we know that. No, I but. think that the criticisms are more just like an apparent complete lack of knowledge and okay. like he doesn't appear to read diff- anything okay right so but but when you read the if you read those endorsements of hillary clinton from like the conservative newspapers they're not just talking about the wall yeah. they're not talking just about lock her up although i do think that lock her up stuff is the fact that he allowed that to go so far it, it's, it's very irresponsible <laughs> it's, it's really I and mean, that's that's scary stuff because you could imagine mm-hmm. someone coming along who wasn't as silly as donald trump and who really meant it and if there's already an appetite I don't know. for that I don't, I don't know maybe, know. There, maybe there's I'm, no I'm way to do that I'm a little confused on who the intelligent educated liberals think are the dummies that just buy into it I don't even think they're that dumb as I think they're even a little more tongue in cheek in some way I really almost feel like even they understand it they just are okay with resonating with the sentiment sure like I don't like I don't even think the people that do a lot of blatant racist like or, like the, the people you see at the rallies you're like Whoa. like if you just if you were like yeah really we're gonna really do do all this bad stuff to minorities, I, I think they would back off even to some degree. Mm. Like, I know that sounds obnoxious to say, but I think they're more just emotionally, keeping with the, my point of view at least, you resonating. Feel like they're venting a little bit. Yeah, I think they're more, I, I think that they're more venting than they are hoping we get a fascist and start rounding people up. Right. I, I, don't, I don't even know. That's like super low single digits, less than 1% of people. Well, you know, we don't have a number on this, but like on your view... Okay, for instance, one of the things that I have been most worried about, I don't I don't know if I think it's likely. I think it's probably There's not likely. There's a lot of possible outcomes with Trump being president. They're yeah. horrifying and possibly terrible and we at least I, I'm not going to suppress or oppose. I mean, if it's when he does bad stuff, I I'm good with saying this is horrible. By so the way. yeah, what I'm not, is so I'm not defending anything he's ever going to do. Like, sure. I sure. think he'll probably do some stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah, he probably will. But he uh, maybe already has. Yeah. We'll see. Um but like, for instance, you know, one thing that I'm on the lookout for is like any movement toward a citizen registry of Muslim Americans. Mm-hmm. That's a little different. Now, see, this is exactly, though, what, what I have been frustrated about that I think we share. As soon as a advisor leaked that they might be reconsidering NSEERS, which is an old Bush era policy about Muslim visitors to mm-hmm. the United States or actually just visitors from predominantly Muslim countries that have a passive terrorism. Yeah. Everyone's like, there it is. It's the Muslim See? registry. Yep. And I'm like, internment no, 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 camps no, 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 coming no, no, no. up next week. I'm like, hold on. It isn't actually Bush did this for, you yep. know, eight years. Obama canceled it. There appear to be some good reasons for canceling it. It was counterproductive in terms of them working with Muslim communities within America because it it engendered resentment mm-hmm. and it was like a, a lot of money and they only deported 13,000 people, mm-hmm. which is not that many no. over eight year period. So 
that's where I kind of have been like, okay, guys, this is a perfect example because I, for one, if there's a actual Muslim registry of citizens, if we're talking about constitutional rights, I'll register as a Muslim. I'll, I don't know what, what do I have to do? I'll yeah. put him in my house. Sure. I, I shouldn't mean, admit yeah. that. Whatever Constitutional it is, you know, rights are a big deal. And but that's, I don't that's wanna, an issue worth fighting for. I don't want to, I, mean, I don't want to burn out. I don't want everyone on the right to go. Well, last time they talked about a registry, nothing happened. And everybody was screaming about it then. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is different than I just, it's, it's very frustrating and worrisome to me that the left can't distinguish between a registry and well, like it, a homeland security, probably not that effective. You know what a good parallel thing. is? It's like it's like when you have parents and they parent their kids based out of uh, pure fear, and the, the and it's say as I do what I say, not as I do. But it's like you just try to make your kids terrified of everything, so that they for in Christianity, it's like you can't ever kiss somebody or you'll go to hell, or you can't use you can't ever do anything bad, or else you'll go to hell. It's that mentality. And we know what happens. People, we know it doesn't work. Yeah, they run. So it's like, oh, he has a policy here that may be not the best for Muslim. Uh, We'll see. But and then the headline now, and we have to decide now: is it is it uh, for profit fear mongering, or is it to just to get ratings, or is it to to try to even in a noble way really make people aware of a potential danger, which is what parents do when they try to frighten their kids out of behavior that they inevitably either rebel or realize, well, my parents didn't really tell the truth because they told me that would kill me and it didn't, so now I have less respect for them. Like this, that's the territory, right? So I don't know what the motivation is for what news outlet or what individuals that are tweeting stuff that seem to be inciting hysteria, if not violence in some cases. It's it's absurd, but it's just going to leave you less credible in the long run. That's and my worry. If not, if not just wrong or... Or fear mongering, which right. is insane. And is is it possible the left is just f- is actually fear mongering? Like they benefit and like I don't know. I, I mean, don't. I don't think so. I I think it's more of a guttural reaction, which was kind of your original or for profit position. motive. Like better well, clicks. I get press, that too. So. Yeah, I mean, there's they want to keep that traffic up, and I they they do have a profit motive for you know clickbait. Right. Article headlines, for instance, and I recommend that people just not click on those and vote with your dollars and your clicks but let's get back to the church Mm -hmm. what message was sent to the rest of america by the evangelical church for instance well i don't know i mean is that a cohesive group did they send a message is it intentional or is it just a bunch of individuals out there well okay let's just say let's just say let's just name off some really prominent evangelical leaders who backed Mm -hmm. trump who have giant following Mm -hmm. so you've got Yes, you know uh, I find those people really irritated. I was very irritated by the evangelical leaders supporting Trump and, with arguments, and I, I was I was disheartened by that for sure. Well, Wayne Grudem you, and yeah, Eric Grudem Texas, yeah, uh, yeah, those people. I mean, that's ugh, that's y- very yucky to me. I would say so. I was because kind it's of, a platform based thing. Like I only feel like I only feel like the church is is a few clicks off of politics of being oh bullshit platform disingenuous. Hmm calculated to go where they want to go. And so I don't, I don't buy anything that those people say. 
I think they're just making calculations and then speaking accordingly. And it's not that different than the guy at the mall selling me trying to get me to switch from AT&T. You're saying that's just yeah, what it feels like. To the me. pastor up there is, is speaking to the congregation. It's like, I can't say what I really think or believe that's here. Right. I don't this think is the language anybody that, can. This is the language available to me that I don't get fired and I can still do some good. But you're just that's like, what it feels like. That's not me. enough. You want someone just be honest with you and my fear is are we taking that all the way to the individual level where i can't say what i think if so i'm gonna say all i know to do is say more obnoxious things and try to defend them because it if if those people have to be that careful and that calculated and that i can't take a country full of used car salesmen that are like everybody's got their own platform okay it's starting to make more sense to me here the, the guy tweeting at me that i know that i'm gonna see at a Friendsgiving party like are you working on your platform like can you not even like process what you really think out loud Mm. like that whole thing and politics is the absolute worst of it and we all know politics from ancient Rome to now is filled with corruption that's what the corruption fundamentally is is catering or patronizing to people for something else that you want and it almost mm. feels like that's bled, definitely bled down into the church. And it may be bleeding all the way down into individual people where I know that for my platform and to be respected, I need to say the following, but I can't say this. That makes freaks me out. Freaks me the fuck out, to be yeah. honest. So you're worried. Okay, so now we're really getting somewhere. So Free speech, maybe, but I don't know if I'm a free speech guy. Like, sounds like, I don't, I don't know if that's the territory. I'm not talking about constitutional, but just like the ability to express yourself and process in real time, you're worried have about, nuanced opinions. Right. You're worried it's about crazy. people constantly hedging what they're going to say to not offend people. Or, or to calculate for a particular gain in okay. one way or another. But so you're it's a saying, pla- everybody that's a blogger has a platform and now they're making every, they're filtering everything through is this going to benefit or not benefit my platform and where I'm going from here. Let me, let me just make sure I understand your view and then I want to raise a, a possible je- objection. So you're saying there's like politicians, used car salesmen, pastors and certain people your worry is that the whole world is becoming like that yes and that if you misspeak yes you could be so be careful forever but it, there's a giant gap when you go oh well why don't you just be on the safe side then yeah yeah definitely right. then you the gap goes away and you're and saying now it's only over here and it's only over there and the middle is gone because it's just not safe to play in the middle anymore okay so it's not so much that trump's supporters in this regard agreed with him it was just like he's smashing that whole thing yeah and now i can just like be myself and i have a black (sighs) friend and i just want to hang out with him i just don't want to be told i can't call them native americans that i have to call them first nations now Mm -hmm. and people are just like yeah. saturated with like what's the new yeah. rule now what's is there a new letter on lgbtq what are the new letters right. do i have to remember them or if not am i a bigot well okay think about if you want a church parallel at some okay. point somebody goes well drinking it can be it can be some bad stuff here so we'll be careful with that and at some point it got from the bible to now it got to be where the thing was like it gets bastardized further and further because somebody was like wait a minute it's fine if i have some beers that doesn't play well in the moral game of the church, right? So that guy never said that. Hmm. And why would that be a hill he should try to die on? And then, then the next person's like, well, I'm not going to challenge this. I'll, better, I'll just take the safe road. Well, I'm not going to fight for that word, whether it's okay to use it or not. Oh, well, you know what? I'm not going to actually contest this article because it might look like to my camp that I'm trying to be with that I'm dissenting. I don't really want to be that. If if both sides do that, the middle goes away. Free thought, free speech, dissenting opinions, exploration, all this stuff get smashed, muffled, whatever. And And then then, things like confirmation bias just exponentially grow on each side. I get that. But I think that your counter critique 
is probably wrong insofar as it is black and white, just like the thing you're critiquing. Surely there must be some middle ground. And like, let me give you an example. So I, as a white male in Seattle, mm-hmm. have actually benefited from past racist policies of the Seattle yes. area. Okay. Right. Now, whether or not I'm sick of hearing words or whether or not I'm mentally exhausted mm-hmm. with reframing my language, that's just a fact. And it, it won't actually help long-term for me to just go, so y'all on the left need to ignore that fact because I'm sick of the language games, right? So what I'm interested in is, can we have a middle ground? The people who are at the bleeding edge of activism for any particular issue, I think that, I wonder if they have, on any issue, whatever the issue is, the activists maybe need to have an ethical imperative for compassion to the people that they're criticizing. I think so. Like, I understand there's some level where you go in revolt or protest mode or there's some level or mode or threshold where you go by any means necessary. I I guess I get that. I'm woman, hear me roar or whatever. I guess there's there's some time for that. I don't think this is it personally at at all. Meaning... You, meaning protesting Trump's election. Well, okay, the, the 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 attitude that would be the worst in my book is if you're not with us, you're against us. So anybody who doesn't 100% toe the line of what we're going to do to fight this is part of the problem. Like that's horrible and dangerous. That's and just, I like, don't, that's I don't, just I don't, obviously false, right? Because uh, people it's not, I mean, it's, on a spectrum, but it's persuasive on all kinds of issues. And there's people that that, that, that that mentality being out there, it makes, it shuts up people in the middle. It silences them. They don't, they don't, everybody in the middle doesn't go, oh, I'm going to get with that guy and I'm going to go out and do my thing. But what they do do is go, I'm just going to like stay out of this one. I'm not going to give my nuanced point of view. That's what they do. Okay, so you're saying that the political climate... Not to mention that that could incite violence and do all kind of other stuff that's only going to cause more reactions and unrest on both sides right. and never get anywhere, when I do actually believe we're on the right track anyway. So in any, in, in, to both cases, I think the by any means necessary, or if you're not with us, you're against this mentality, are absolutely wrong, ineffective, if not immoral, or, or something. I don't know. They, they disturb me. Yeah. I think the we're on the right track anyway might not be super compelling to that I, many people. I believe we're on the right track racially diverse. Yeah. I believe we are. I well, mean, that's just my it point just of doesn't view. Mean, just be because wrong. we're on a good, I mean, Martin Luther King thought we were on the right track right. overall, but he still spent his whole life fighting mm-hmm. for more justice, right? So Absolutely. that's not, it's not a, it shouldn't be a cop-out argument, of right. course. I don't think it is, but yeah. So here's, here's something that I have had a hard time you know, you hear the people saying our enemies, the, you know, like Dan Savage, I, which I actually like Dan Savage a lot. I follow him. I think he says a ton of smart stuff. Um, but he referred to like people, like everybody as we will do this with our enemies in this time or whatever. And I just don't, I don't think it's enemies. Like that's a, yeah. that's a language that is not okay with me. Dangerous. That, that's what I'm saying. That kind of sentiment to me seems counterproductive to even his goals. I could be wrong. Man, I really want to, I, I really want to talk about if the church is uniquely situated in an increasingly hostile environment between left and right to be the ones who can confidently say, none of you are enemies, or if you are, nice, I have to love you. It would be a nice it doesn't really sentiment matter. to hear. I mean, I, but I don't think it grows hope. congregations and platforms is the problem. Man. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. I don't care about that though. Well, the people with the microphone <laughs> and the platform do. Yeah, the people with the budgets do. I know, but you nuance people in the middle 
that are zipping your lips just to be safe. I actually, I'm going to go, I'll go that way and say that's actually a problem. Like you should say the, the, rec, the, the semi-reckless thing that you feel right now. I think I would like to hear it. I think it's okay. I'm not going to judge you. It's okay. I'll, I could hear you work that out. It actually would give me a little bit more of a bearing. Otherwise, mm. I just have to listen to Sean King and say, am I with him or against him? I don't like that. Right. I don't think that's good. I'd rather hear you and you and him and him say stuff that's, I'd rather hear more of that Yeah. than the polarized stuff. Yeah. Well, you're on the right podcast. All right. I mean, I really, I I think (laughs) it's funny that you started this podcast and and that you called it depolarized. Even when you did start it, you had an explicit thing like an anti-Trump mentality. Yeah, I was hoping to affect Trump not winning by you know, for seven weeks or whatever, engaging dialogue between left and right in my own small way. But of course I saw that as a problem anyway, Mm -hmm. that would probably, even if he lost, I was going to keep going with it because it's still a big issue, Mm -hmm. but him winning sort of showed there was just enough push from that world or that perspective to like put him over the edge. Yeah. And I think your podcast has even more legs and meaning now than you probably dreamed it did because now there's a ton of real work to do that's over the long term. And I think it's really neat. Like now you had to really lean into the name and the brand and what you've created your podcast. I think there's a lot to do well there's a that challenge you didn't anticipate there. when yeah, you started. It's true. So I think I'm excited yeah. about that. Well I so love am the I. title and the name and the impetus behind what you're doing. But I think it will be, I'm excited that I think it will be messier than you thought it would even be. I like that. I'm excited. <laughs> I, like I, I am a chaos person. I know you I may are, be yeah. slightly anarchist in nature kind yeah. of thing. And I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see people interact and grow and change, but I do think it has to be from the unpolarized or depolarized free speaking middle that has the work to do. I mean, it, people with the agendas on both sides, they're just, there's the people that I hope we can just stop listening to like, or discount. Like, you know, the car salesman has all the lines for you. Of course, you're no match for it. Of course, you're no match for the leader of the alt-right guy or Sean King. Yeah, I can't argue them. Of course not. I'm a regular person. But I, I think what I think, and let's just mm. keep that going. And this is interesting. I mean, I think you're saying something that's pretty different than what most of what I'm reading and hearing these days. But let me, so let me just press you on it so, so we can understand it better. So Black Lives Matter, okay? Mm-hmm. It was going long before mm-hmm. Trump got elected, right? So Ferguson two years ago. Yep. Two years ago, is that right? Maybe three? I don't know. Uh, and, no, and, uh, Trayvon Martin was about two years ago. So Black Lives Matter is about a year and a half or something like that. Those people have legitimate gripes and concerns? Yes or no, you think? I mean, again, I'm going to go back to the, who are those people? I think Uh, they've changed. I think it's shifted. I think that, you know. Okay, does the African-American community have a legitimate cause for concern that they have been statistically shown to be, you know, acted unjustly against? Okay. Absolutely. All right, so then let's just, Put this in practice. Let's put some flesh on your theory, mm-hmm. not just on the voters. If you were, and I know you're, of course, not going to do this, and you can't, but if you were consulting with the leaders of the Black Lives yes. Matter movement, yes. okay, what would you like? Just I would not like that you're to do that. telling. I them. would do that. You would for sure. do it. Okay, I would be but glad to try to help them be just more persuasive. In your mind, just let's just yes. flesh out your theory, okay? So if the, if you're going to have them be more persuasive. What does that entail? Well, again, I think that's an interesting movement because at its heart, I think it's right, but I think it 
runs in danger, same as Occupy did, of being messed up or sort of formless. formless or co-opted yeah. by the extreme. And that's the problem. So that you will, if you let it, if that movement doesn't police itself, it's the weirdest thing because it could become like, oh, overly militant, and I would criticize it. But in the meantime, to criticize it slightly means I don't like black people, and that's wrong. Mm. That's the pro- that's the problem. Is wait, how long do I stay with this movement or semi empathize, or do I have to declare I'm with it or not with it, and at what point? Well, and there's no and there's hard. no answers to that, right? I've thought about this, and the movement I could, can change, so that doesn't right. this is meaningless. I could go to a Black Lives Matter protest. You could go, even though we're not famous, we are public figures of a sort. Mm-hmm. And we go and we put our Instagram photos up and we tweet about it. And then six months from now, that movement could be a totally takes different a turn well, and it, everyone goes, oh, well, yeah. you were with them. And it's like, well, it, right. it's harder. Oh, that same thing would happen, it's I harder. would say, with I was at Mars Hill, which took a turn and the then church, I wasn't with yeah. it anymore. And I'm, well, am I that or am I not that? I don't know. Right, right. Black lives matter the same. But the problem, hmm. nonetheless, is you have to police your own. Somebody tweeted me the other day or tweeted the other day that if you don't, and this is a good critique for Trump supporters, I love this. It's if you don't like being labeled all as misogynist, Islamophobic, racist, then you better call out the the worst among you and dissociate with them and say what that is, to which I think. Absolutely, and I don't know that we have seen a lot of that. No, we haven't. Which it would be a good move on their part if I was going to yeah. consult. That's what I would tell them to okay, do. So that, yeah, it so wouldn't be that hard for Trump to do that. I don't no. even think it would hurt him. And I'm shocked that he's not smart enough to figure out to do that. Or maybe there's something I'm missing. I don't know. Yeah. But I also believe Black Lives Matter, all of Islam. <laughs> And all of Christianity need to step up their police in their own game times a hundred. Well, I, I and don't, they don't. Okay, and I, I don't understand say, it. I think that the evidence for the Muslim American community is actually on their side on this. The FBI has been on record saying that some of their absolute best information comes from other Muslims. Toward. Good. So but that's you, official. You, but you want to hear line. that from Muslims? You want to hear them say, well, "Hey, when do you talk this to Muslims? De- deplorable behavior." You want to hear it from <laughs> Christians when we say, "Right, I don't." What Falwell's doing is well, bullshit, and I, I, this is, does not represent us. And Black Lives Matter, the ones that want to be overly militant or what, something that you think is not good, you gotta you gotta fight for your movement. Okay. I mean, but let me just, I want to push back there. I have heard tons of Christians over the last year mm-hmm. and a half push back against Trump. And, and push back. Good. Yes. In what, what you're talking about, police their own, quote yes. unquote. There was a sharp divide among older Christian leaders and younger Christian leaders mm-hmm. about if they went for Trump, especially during the primaries, yeah. right? And for me to say, well, I'd like to hear that from Muslims. I mean, you, you might you might hear a guy, and I'm going to do a total stereotypical thing of like, you know, a guy with a cowboy hat at a Trump rally going, well, I'd like to hear the Muslims speak up. Yeah. And then I'd like to ask that guy, I'm sorry, how many Muslims do you follow on Facebook and Twitter? Mm-hmm. Do you know any in your life? Where do you think you're going to hear them on Fox News? Like, so we need to be a little bit realistic about if I'm not hearing Muslims speak up, am I asking Muslims? Do I know any mm-hmm. Muslims? Because... I have read a number of pieces from Muslims saying I'm sick of having to denounce acts of yeah. terror every time they happen. I'm like, I'm like well, but saying it's, the it's same just, thing every time. But it's just basic human. Like what I'm saying is everybody is emotional and there's basic human nature that comes from our medium and lower brain type activities as in group and it's out group. And it's hard to be dissenting with the movement that you're in. It's easier to go with the flow. And those are natural biases that we all have that all I'm asking everybody to do is Think about it a little bit. The right thing and the harder thing are usually kind of maybe the same. <laughs> like the harder Often, thing to yeah. say is is probably what you should be saying. So I kind of look at stuff that way. I go, this isn't going to make me more popular to say, but 
Yeah. Why, why is that? Why is it harder for me to say this? Or when I, I better not say that, then I usually double down and go, I think I better say that then. And then I'll, I'll deal with the consequences. But, you, you know, and if, if everybody was doing that a little bit more, it's a little less mob. It's a little less tribal. It's a little less all those things. I mean, the tri- tribal okay. is a good word no, for I, so I'm really, micro and macro tribes. Right. I mean, I'm super into this, but I, I, I just want what I'm not as clear on is how this leads to a better overall end. Okay. So let me give you an example. One of the things we were texting about before tonight was this whole idea of like being on the right side of history mm-hmm. or whatever. What I took that to mean is don't just like blast the other side and say, you're going to be on the wrong side of history. I'm going to be on the right side of history. But then there is a right side of history on certain issues. We would definitely, we would, we would agree the white pastors who told Martin Luther King, it's not time yet. We're on the wrong side of history. They were wrong about that. So with all of this in mind, okay, and let's just summarize it for a second here. You've got the far left and the far right yelling at each other, demonizing the other side. Mm-hmm. The left is making it hard for people to who are in the middle to just say what they think. And I would say that the right has responded to that, and the right is making it hard for conservatives to like consume accurate news. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of like a mirrored effect going on on both sides. Well, but it's easier to say a strong opinion and be credited as being on the right side that's actually pretty easy to do versus affect change and, and achieve your stated goal. Like, you know what I mean? It's easier to take the big position on something that you feel like you're going to be signaled as being on the right side. It's people saying, I want when my grandkids yes. ask me, who did I vote for? I voted for him. Uh, I didn't vote for If you want to be on the right side of history, I would not suggest to be on Trump's side in any way. <laughs> I do not think that's a good idea. No, but, but, but what if I'm that's getting your only this. concern, if you want to affect change currently in the climate that we're in, you, the most anti-Trump you could ever be will look good historically, but it may not be the most effective at In helping people going forward. Well, okay, but so here's the problem. Here's the it's problem, It's just right? easier to so do So I want to be on the right side like of history. It's like evolutionary signaling of, to attract a mate or appear good. I mean, it's just... It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's peacocking to yeah, some extent. Right. I think I buy that, but there's still a legitimate problem for thoughtful people here. So... I'll use myself as an example. I want to be on the right side of history for black lives matter. Not because, well, partially I'm sure partly because I want my ego, you know, Uh stroked by my grandkids. Like, Oh, grandpa, you were such a civil rights hero. They won't care by the way, but (laughs) nobody ever cares. If you think they will, they won't. Well, whatever. Either way. I just think that their claims, like I think that their, their claims of unjust, uh, treatment are fundamentally accurate mm-hmm. and I do want justice as a person. So I want to be, I mean, I am in, in theory on the right side of that Yeah, as a general thing, but I don't know when it's time to get involved. I don't know mm-hmm. what exactly is being fought for. And I've read like quite a bit from the movement. You know, I read the Tana Kesey Coates book and I've read a lot of articles uh-huh. from thoughtful people, but I'm actually not sure like what piece of legislation I'm fighting for or, and that might be partially my own okay. problem, yeah. but I think we would agree. There As is a, a non-political a- person, legislation to me is, is almost the most useless and the, the individual impact and change in people's minds is the, is the most important. Well, I would push back by saying, for instance, mortgage redlining being illegal now is a huge difference, and that's well, great, that's and that's e- policy. economic thing. No, but, but, it's, but it's a law. Yeah, it's now yeah, illegal but, for banks to redline yeah. African-American or Latino applicants. So that's policy. I mean, I, I don't think it's... I don't think we can just say, well, policy doesn't matter. It's just changing individual hearts and minds. Like earlier, there's 
individual racism, there's systemic racist effects. Mm -hmm. They both matter. And so we can't also say it only matters if you change people's minds. No, you have to change the systems that are producing the effects. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I think you and I share that we're both not feeling good about is like, what are, what's the prognosis here that America can it's band together? Here's yeah. the thing. I'm not saying policy doesn't matter, but it's a shortcut. You're like, whew, got that policy change. I ought to fix it. That ain't how, I mean, that's, that's a lagging factor and indicator know, of man. where people's hearts and minds are. And I'm sure glad we really have, matters. I'm sure glad we have the civil rights act and the voting rights act. I mean, I'm glad I, that I, stuff went I'm through. I'm fine with policy being whatever it is, but I do think it's a lagging indicator of where people and culture and stuff are at. I think it's an it's a it's a secondary thing. It's not primary. You can't just say, "Ooh, we get the legislation passed and now everything." If you could just legislate some code or moral code, doesn't it's not going to like if in an absolute way, if you could legislate your moral code entirely, it wouldn't fix anything. It fi- I mean, it just sure. Wouldn't. But if if current laws are obviously having they need to be consistent. It's like Google search results. It needs to be the right title for the right article that actually says what it is. You can't just make a law that nobody. You know what I mean? It's not the policy in itself. It's, it's like it's like it's the easiest thing in the world it's like a cheating almost to just make a bunch of policy is what I, I'm saying. and then people like to worship at the altar of, of politics they, as long as they get the laws right everything will be fine but this is not true well i i if you're saying that it's not an incredibly integral part i would disagree it's what they marched on selma bridge for was to get the civil rights act passed mm-hmm. right i mean I would, Lincoln, I would argue the act is less maybe less impactful than the march Maybe, but like Lincoln in, in, in the long in the long view. But the fact that society got to the point where they could do that and people could huh. hear that, yeah. th- that that's what that's where we're at. now we don't look back and go, well, according to that law, we gotta let black people do shit now. That's mm-hmm. we go, wow, we saw them rise up, we understood it. My parents' generation changed mid generation to understanding. Wow, it wasn't because of the laws. Laws yeah. are lagging on that. So what would you say about the abolition of slavery in the Civil War? Is the Civil War the thing, or is it the fact that Lincoln got slavery abolished? Look, I'm not trying to say laws don't matter. I'm just saying that there are secondary. In fact, often, co- I would, you know, the, the popular thing to say in the South is Lincoln didn't believe any of that shit. He just did it because it was good for him politically, for instance. Oh but you know, <laughs> Which, wow. I mean, if it's politically expedient to do so, it will be done. But it will only be done when, when it was the prevalent thing in society that they, people would vote for. So you still have the getting the people to think right is still always your number one objective. Well, the laws will follow because the politicians are slimy scumbags well, this is exactly, that will do what's expedient. Yep, and so this is exactly matter. the argument that Matt Anderson made on the pro-life our uh, episode right yeah. he's just saying you get the people to change their mind right. and the legislation but will follow of course because the politicians are pandering slimy dirt bags so all you got i mean they'll do whatever you want you them could to do. also say that a, a good politician might have a whole list of things there's no that such thing she'd like to get done but can't there's no she such can't get reelected. politician <laughs> okay well <laughs> that's fine that seems like as good a place as any to yeah, end it it's fine with me <laughs> Matt, thanks for being here. I appreciate um, it. For the people listening on my feed, where can they find you? Uh, badchristian.com is the easiest place. It's everything. Yeah. Okay. And then for the people listening on your feed or watching live, you can go to Depolarized Podcast on which iTunes. Which is also at badchristian.com. Which is also at badchristian.com. That's right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan, K-O-C-H. That's probably enough for now. Yep. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it, Dan. Yeah. The last thing I will ask of you, if you enjoyed this episode or any previous episode, 
please share it with a friend or two. That's how people find out about the podcast. And I would be very obliged. We'll see you next week with Drew Hart. Drew Hart.